Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason. And we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. Halbkasten mit Tom Reimann an David Bell. Typecast. It's the show where we get hyped about stuff and things. I'm your co-host, Tom Ryman. I'm your other co-host, David Bell. Are you doing introduce me on the show? I have to introduce myself. Is that Yeah, yeah we just we, ab- we abandon you immediately. That's how the show works. <laughs> Hello, I am esteemed author Jason Pargin. Back. Welcome, Jason. Man, in... so much esteem. It comes off of you in just waves. Yeah, yeah, it comes across over this microphone. I bought a new mic so I would sound more esteemed. And mm-hmm. I've got to say, listeners, I know that when I'm on this show, it usually means we have a bunch of, of trash trailers to look at. No, because while January, February is a horrible time for movies that are out, it is prime time for trailers. Because this is when the summer movie trailers start dropping, and we have got some of those. So I'm actually, yes, I'm here with a bunch of good trailers to watch. Yeah. <laughs> there are. True, yeah. There are. There are a lot of good trailers summer, on this list. Summer kind of starts in March now, huh? I mean, it's been a that way. Bit. It's been that way for like ten years, but still. Yeah, they kept moving it up, and there's actually history of this because The Matrix, for example, was a film they did not have a lot of confidence in. They dumped it in April. It became a huge hit, and it was after that they were like, "Well, hell, we can." Because the rule used to be they wanted these movies to come out when kids were out of school, so that's right. why it's June, right. July, August. That was your summer movie season. They're so like, "Well, hell, we got." good returns on april and then to try to beat the april movies they started releasing in march so yeah you'll see blockbusters coming in you know march 20th around there and that's your summer it's all your summer movie season yeah we still got i mean we got what argyle now to look forward to right (laughs) we got argyle oh man Mm, mm. argyle (laughs) fever i know you both have it yeah oh i have it it's reached critical mass I'm watching it tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to go to an empty theater and watch Argyle. To watch Argyle. <laughs> the, uh, no, I don't know if I'm going to spoil Argyle for the people who are listening, but they, the marketing of that movie has been around the mystery of who is Argyle? What is, like, I guess that's the central plot is trying to discover the identity of the secret agent known as Argyle. And some people retweeted the original announcement from 2021 when it's like Matthew Vaughn has signed on to this project with you know, all the, the stars are in it, Bryce Dallas, Dallas Howard, all that, for a film in which, and then it just describes the exact, it spoils the exact twist in the plot in the description of 
It's incredible. I saw that. Yeah, the oh, initial man. press release. Yeah, it'd be it'd be like if they announced years and years ago that M. Night Shyamalan has been signed on uh, to do a new movie about a man who it turns out was dead the whole time. <laughs> it's Starring really Bruce funny Willis. because it's it's the trailers make the plot twist so obvious, and I I assume the press release they just didn't know. Like it, I just love that it's the most obvious twist ever to the point that yeah, the press release is just casually. Uh, admitted what it was it's i i I hear it has like multiple twists or something so like maybe that's there's i don't know there's another one around the identity of the author right because it's quote unquote based on a book but the book is written by the fictitious person that bryce dallas howard plays in the film and there's right they're doing like an adaptation thing. yeah there's a bit of like a buzz around who it could be and it's a the the big guess is J.K. Rowling, but from what I've heard, it's not that, but it's something close to that. Well, Man. after the reviews, they might stay hidden. Yeah, it's a weird thing to do. <laughs> it's yeah. such a weird mar- way to market the movie. Anyway, I honestly think our- they just they just threw a few thousand dollars at a ghostwriter and had them slap together a a tie-in novel in a that, couple yeah, months. Yeah, I've got a feeling it was not J.K. Rowling. I've got a feeling it was just somebody. We, we may know them. I, I know a lot of people that do ghostwriting. It's actually good good paying work. You just don't get your name oh, on yeah. it. That would be the funniest thing if it was just like they never meant for it to become a thing and it just sort of did when people noticed that the author wasn't a real person. So like, oh yeah, it's yeah. a big thing we're going to reveal. <laughs> It's like the mystery magician. Remember that? Secrets of Magic, where it was like, who is this magician? And then he revealed himself. It was just some guy that no one knew. <laughs> and it was like, they kept being like, who's it going to be? And then it was like, oh, it's just some guy from like Vegas right. who got a deal for this show. I thought it was going to be like a Street Fighter character or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let, that's right. going to be Jesus. All, that's, that's how he could do magic. He was, it was Jesus Christ. And that was how he chose to announce his return amazing. he's like i'm the only magician i'm sick of these fucking people these fucking posers um jason thank you so much do you do you want to uh where can we find you what have you been up to do you have stuff you want to plug oh yes. my god i've got a new book to promote for the first time since this time last year when i had a new since book the to last promote. time yeah uh, Yes, a standalone novel that is not part of any series. It is a brand new thing. If you've never read any of my books, uh, this would be an easy place to start. It requires zero prior knowledge of me or anything that has ever happened. Um, But it is a standalone novel, a ticking clock thriller called I'm Starting to Worry About This Black Box of Doom. Is up for pre-order now in all formats, (laughs) including audio. That's a great title. It's, it's It's a very fun cover, too. Yeah, I, we, we do. We put a lot of effort into the cover. I obviously do not put any effort into it. I put a lot of effort into telling the artist, Rob Grom, what I want. And then he puts a tremendous amount of effort into making the covers. <laughs> I put awesome. a lot of effort into the covers in the way that the AI authors put a lot of effort into their AI. It's like, hey, I have right. to do the work of telling it what I what kind of article to write. <laughs> That's the same thing, isn't it? Aren't I yeah. really the artist? <laughs> <laughs> what is art? Uh, I love those where they like tell the AI to like draw it good and stuff like that. Like you'll literally see that in the prompts of like make it look like a masterpiece or something like that. Uh, And they're like, look at this amazing thing I instructed it to do. Um, 
So you said it's it's out wherever books are. It is record? up for pre-order, and wherever you like to pre-order books. If you've got a local bookstore, you want to pre-order it there. They would be extremely happy to take your pre-order for it. Otherwise, um, the audiobook is available through Audible, Amazon, and uh, the ebook. Same. It's all the normal, all the normal book stuff. Nice. It's out out in September, but don't wait, or you're gonna forget. Yep, I spotted you in the uh, in the Barnes and Noble uh, over the holiday. You, you you were in the horror section. It was cool. You had a, you had a bunch. You had a bunch. He 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 was in there was putting neat. his own books on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> before they kicked me out again. <laughs> behind the shelves. I always love that thing where they, they there's always a charming story where uh, Kurt Vonnegut or somebody would go into a bookstore and he'll quietly go back and and sign all of his books. And uh, I'd always just imagine me going back there and just getting tackled by a security guard, <laughs> like sir, sir. <laughs> You're buying, you have to pay for all of those. It's like, no, I have graced them. The books. I have graced them with my signature. Uh, Coming tiptoeing in there to do some whimsy, and then this dude in a members only jacket breaks mm-hmm. your fingers. Uh, <laughs> that's lovely. Um, well, let's talk about trailers. Or, oh, let's think some, think some producers first. Yeah. We 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 will we will in a second. All right, yep. big old thank you to at Nerd Numbers. Thank you, thank you very much. <clears throat> thank you to Zero Charisma. Thanks so much. Thank you to a bag full of bags. Thank you. Thank you to Aaron Burser. Thank you. Thank you to AJ. Thank you so much. Thank you to Andrew McGuire. Totally likes movies. Andrew Howe. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you to Andrew McGuire. So, do you like movies? Signed, Andrew Howe. Come on, guys. Uh, <laughs> thank you to Asking Seven. Uh, thank you so much. All right, let me swoop in here. Thank you to Bob Grenville. Thank, thank you. Thank you to Bootler Bootlison. Thank you. Thank you to Brian who Tom knows. Thank you. Thank you to Broccoli Loves the Meat Millie. Thank you. Thank you to Burrito wants you to drink water, hit the gym, and do the ska, because they loves y'all. Thank you. Thank you to pre-order TikTok superstar Jason Pargin's new standalone ticking clock thriller and dark satire called him started to worry about this black box of doom. Thank you. Whew. Thank you to Chester's Prophet. Thank you. And thank you to Christopher Robert Sparts Esquire. Thank you. All right. They got that we name did changed already. I, only, I was about the, to say that one, that one producer was on like, it. Like They're like your publicist. Six days ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not even everybody who, who works at the publisher knows that it's up. Yeah. For the record, yeah, that, we is actually, not, yeah. that producer is not Jason. That is somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, start, it would start getting amazing if they started promoting books that you yeah haven't even officially announced as yet. soon as you write the title into like the doc yeah. <laughs> into word. um ghostbusters or sorry ghostbuster frozen empire as oh, the man. youtube as the official ghostbusters youtube has it listed ghostbuster single singular frozen empire they haven't changed it but clearly there's this like is... 19 of them in there so that's a misnomer Yes, there are so many There's Ghostbusters. So many now. Ghostbusters, you guys. They're coming out of the walls. They're treating them it's like the Avengers, like they're just piling it on. And it very much feels like they're going for like that superhero vibe. Yeah. Like it's, it's, stakes, it's a superhero movie now. Yeah, the stakes don't feel I mean, the stakes are about as big as the other movies, I would argue. It's New York in peril, right? Um but it just the fucking the the reverence the the weight of this trailer it really is feeling like feeling like it's it's like there's like a little comedy in here what did you guys think 
It's so curious what they're doing with this franchise, just in general, because it, the whole backstory, Dan Aykroyd had been trying to make continual Ghostbusters movies for the last 40 years. I mean, he wanted to make a Ghostbusters 3. It, it was a, a yeah. fight to get Bill Murray to do part two. He didn't want to do any more. Um, and he had just been steadily trying to get more Ghostbusters made. Like, you would have a headline every one or two years with, you know, the, the studio in talks to do another Ghostbusters, a Ghostbusters 3 or a Ghostbusters spinoff. And I'm talking, you'd hear that in the 90s. Yes. It just, he never gave up. And so you've got, they finally got them to reboot it. They did Ghostbusters Afterlife on a budget of only $75 million, which is a lot of money to have as an individual. It's not a lot of money to make a, you know, a special effects comedy with uh, Paul Rudd and people like that in it. And it made $205 million worldwide. That means that it barely broke even. But I don't know if they sold merch or if, if on streaming it made some more. But, you know, uh, generally a sequel has a bigger budget. And I don't know that there's it's so weird because even this trailer is heavy on Bill Murray and yeah. Ernie Hudson. And it's like, remember, remember the 1984 film, the 40 year old film? It's so weird. Gets like a big thing. What percentage uh, yeah. of Gen Z is out there like, oh my gosh, that's Andy. They got Andy Potts back. Yeah, like big designing so women weird. fans. And um, anyway. I just uh, don't know <clears throat> I don't know if they know who it's for. Um because like it, it reminds me of like like they made those Fear Street movies, right? Yeah. And one of the cool things they did is they made it geared towards teens, but they made it very gory because they knew that the people watching were our age were like, oh, yeah, I read those books. Uh, and so, like, that felt like something that very clearly knew who its audience was. This, to, I don't get that vibe where it's like, I, I, I just, like, I can't, I, it, like, the first one was the same way where it's like, this feels like it's a little bit for kids. But it, it, it definitely wants to get in everybody. Well, the original Ghostbusters just kind of seems like an adult comedy that kids liked. You know, it has that RoboCop vibe where it's like, it doesn't feel like it was really made for kids. It's just something that kids were allowed to watch. Right. And then it became a, th a thing for kids. Right. Uh, this this movie does, the, the positive thing I can say for it is it does look like an episode of the cartoon like the real ghostbusters if you were yeah. a fan of the real ghostbusters it has that vibe there's just i like the <clears throat> for me there wasn't like a single funny line in the trailer to the point that like a couple of the lines were delivered really like the they get a coot line from kumail and it's like really stilted yeah like, it's i, I i'm don't glad know. it's, it's not all repeating trailer. old jokes but it is repeating like like, I don't know why the library ghost is back, right? Like, I don't know. They, they're doing a lot of, like, remember all this stuff. Remember yeah, Walter Peck. Remember, um, well, I get Slimer because he's always there. Well, he wasn't like, in the last one. They the, tried to make, the lion. They the tried to make that new Slimer. Remember that, or that stupid Muncher thing? And then they were like, yeah, you're Slimer again. I don't know. Yeah. I just, uh, it's very confusing. And the big thing, we've mentioned this before, but Jason, you mentioned the 90s. They were trying to make one. They were trying to make something a ghostbusters 3 with chris farley and i can't i always remember that one because of the plot um which was that the idea is that it's now you know after ghostbusters 2 and ghostbusters are are like a service like they're nationwide and they're like firemen 
which is a really good idea yeah, that's, to uh, extend it. That's what the comic books do, if you're interested right. in the comic books. And what's weird is that these new movies have done the opposite, which is everybody forgot Ghostbusters. Right, they did the Force Awakens and, thing, where everybody right, forgot about like, the Jedi. Do, just have them be a regular service. That would have been a really cool idea, I think, um, that they knew to, to do since the 90s. That's a way better idea, in my opinion. But yeah, I... I I don't know. This is not this is not made by uh, Jason Reitman, or he oh. has a writing credit. Okay. Yeah, this is someone completely new. Um, they, uh, it's the person who did the Poltergeist remake. So, Oof. <laughs> yeah, Oof. they also did Monster House, which is good. You know, um, oh, sure. But that Poltergeist remake was that was another one where it was like this feels like it didn't have to didn't have to happen. Well, um, I mean, I feel like we can probably move on. I, okay, very briefly, I do want to totally derail your podcast for a moment. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Ghostbusters is home to one of my favorite bits of Hollywood trivia and one of my favorite little anecdotes. Because do you guys, are you big enough Ghostbusters fans to know or just generally know that there was a lawsuit over the song, the Ghostbusters yeah. song? Yeah, yeah. it's a new, I need a new drug by Huey Lewis. Yeah. Okay, so the little bit of the story that I love so much is, for those of you who have not heard this story, that, that um, in the mid-80s, Huey Lewis and the News were one of the biggest pop acts in the world, sold like 30 million copies. And they were doing a couple of soundtrack songs for another big-budget special effects comedy called Back to the Future. Well, Ghostbusters, the in, that was in production with um, Ivan Reitman, they did not know that, so they were intent on using the song I Want a New Drug for the big key ghostbusting montage in the middle of the movie. And so in the temporary cut of the movie, they had that song in there from Huey Lewis oh, and had shit. cut they had cut the montage to I Want a New Drug. Then found out when they contacted Huey Lewis's people, like, no, nah, we're tied up doing we've got these tracks we're doing for the Back to the Future. It's a different studio. So it's like with they it would be weird they didn't they, they weren't going to do it they wouldn't let them use a song so they have to go around and scramble to get a replacement and so there is an r&b artist named ray parker jr guy who normally does like love songs you know like, like r&b type love songs and he gets the assignment okay we sent you a temporary cut of this montage we need you to make a song that sounds almost exactly like I Want a New Drug by Euless, the song that's playing in it. It's to the same beat. Only we need you to rewrite it so that it's about hunting ghosts. <laughs> also, also, we need the finished track in 48 hours. Right. So he's like, okay, I'm going to need a lot of cocaine. <laughs> like, it's included in the assignment. Don't worry. We yeah. So wound up slapping the song together, which incidentally became a much bigger hit than I Want a New Drug. The Ghostbusters theme in 1984, I can tell you from having lived it, was everywhere. It spent three yeah. weeks at number one on the Hot 100. I Want a New Drug never made it to number one at all. The movie comes out, Huey <laughs> Lewis instantly sues, says this song is literally exactly I Want a New Drug, only you rewrote it to be about busting ghosts. I'm sorry, I just real quick, I wanted to pause on, it, it hit like the number one, you said on the, it spent three weeks at number one. It spent who three weeks just, at number one. Who 
is sitting around casually listening to the Ghostbusters theme? Oh my, I, mean, listen. I keep forgetting you guys were not around and conscious in 1984. It was <laughs> everywhere. It was on every radio. MTV played that video every 15 minutes. It was everywhere. It, it was it was bigger than any Taylor Swift song that came out last summer. It was Incredible. the Ghostbusters theme. Yeah. People do not realize how bad music used to be. The, the Chicago Bears Super Bowl shuffle went to number one. It was on yeah. the radio. Every time no. you turn on the radio, the Chicago no. Bears rapping about playing football. Novelty tracks used to go a long way. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say this, but Ben Shapiro just did a rap song that also went to number one. So they still kind of do, which is a, which is a real shame. That's fair. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I, I do want to note the other great thing I love about that is when he says who you're going to call and they yell Ghostbusters, the people yelling that are all just his friends because they whipped it together. So he literally just like called whoever he could. And said, could you come yell Ghostbusters in it's, the studio for me? It's my understanding that he sent them the track as like a temp track, as like, this is an example of what it would sound like. And then I'll go record it for real. You know, I'll get studio time. And they just got back to him like, no, we just dropped this in the movie as is. Yeah. That's, <laughs> thanks. Thanks. We'll send you the, we'll send you your payment. Uh, it's it's, it's like they didn't have time. People forget how incredibly last minute everything in the modern world is done. Everybody is yeah. working on a crazy overnight deadline. So anyway, I just love the idea of a musician getting a, 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 an offer for a paycheck so huge you can't turn it down. But your assignment is, okay, it's this Yui Lewis song, only it's about catching ghosts. <laughs> it's about ghosts. Right. It all, it's also a nice reminder that looking at this <laughs> this trailer, it's like, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. This is all just built on I mean, weird bullshit. It, it adds an extra level of power to the lyrics, just knowing yeah. the, the, the stress he's like, it's like, fuck, an invisible man sleeping under your bed. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think he saw the full movie. I think they only sent him that <laughs> no, montage, right? Because he yeah. knew he had to match it to the montage, which, you know, again, the song, if you play the two songs back to back, you will understand where the lawsuit came from. But anyway... I just love yeah. the idea of getting that work assignment and then have being told you have two days. Like you can make a movie about that. <laughs> yes. Oh, Man, they somebody needs to. They should have made. They should have made that instead of dumb money. Yeah, or they, they should do like like an Apollo thirteen esque where everybody's running around <laughs> right. and like because it's like you breathless, know, really intense. You understand, Ray Parker Jr. You've been making music his whole life. Probably continued making music his whole life after that. The world only knows one Ray Parker Jr. song. <laughs> like right. he surely did not know. You know, because he's thinking, well, it maybe it'll play over that montage. Maybe they'll play it again over the end credits. Whatever. You know, it's just it's just comedy. You know, it's just Bill Murray comedy. People, you know, maybe somebody here. It's like, no, this is your life now. People are going to be shouting Ghostbusters legacy. at you every time they see you until the day you die. You yeah, could be hundred and forty years old. Uh, what a nightmare uh, just yeah. like a job you do just a one-off paycheck thing that you had to cram in 48 hours and it just derails your entire creative existence incredible this is all you are known for ray parker jr <laughs> anyway. oh, all right let's talk about <laughs> this next one uh the ministry of ungentlemanly warfare is so settle down title yeah it's so British. Uh, so so British. we were just talking about Argyle. I feel like Matthew Vaughn has made. No, I guess he's. 
I was gonna I was gonna suggest that maybe Guy Ritchie and Matthew Vaughn are on some sort of movie race, but I think if that's the case, Guy Ritchie is winning because this is his third movie in thirteen months, and he also has that TV show. I don't know what he's doing. Um, I don't know why he he seems to need to make a movie every two or three months. I don't know how he's doing that. It seems like a lot. Um, well, this is how this out is... of it I am. I only knew Guy Ritchie from the stuff he made back in the day, like Block, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, all the British Tarantino-style oh, yeah. crime movies. What's he making now? What are these? So he he had a brief deviation with where, like a lot of indie directors, he went and did he did the Sherlock Holmes movies. So he got he blew up. He did the Aladdin movie and made a bunch of money. And he's since kind of gone back. So he has made since the 2019 Wrath of Man, Wrath of Man, and then Operation Fortune, which I haven't seen, and The Covenant. Those last two were in 2023. Uh, and then there's a gentleman TV show based on that movie and this. So he's just been blasting them out uh, lately. He's made this will be like his 30th thing he's directed, something like that. Um, and like I like most of his stuff, although I will say he's some of his stuff gets a little too like i don't know cartoony but this looks fun to me you know like this is a what's his name henry cavill yeah. uh being a weirdo it's, it's like guy ritchie's Nazis. and glorious bastards yeah pretty much based yeah, I, off a true story it seems like if you like guy ritchie stuff you will like this uh it's set in world war ii yeah it's based on a true story we actually wrote about the ministry of ungentlemanly warfare it cracked it was it's based on an operation called operation postcard and a bunch of uh they had to oh, go to yeah. do some brazen mission like stealing a battleship or something crazy it's a really fun story and probably did not need to be stylized to this degree but no yeah. i'm sure it'll be a lot of fun I think so too. Oh yeah, I just remember that the another movie he did was um, the Man from Uncle with Henry uh, Cable. I thought that was Matthew Vaughn. Was that? I'm, God damn! No, I think See, that's it's Guy hard Ritchie. to tell the difference. Yeah, I think it, <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, that's Guy Ritchie. They're both doing what I would argue is a new genre called action twee, which is like quirky action. You know what I? You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's not it's not bad or good. He did do the Man from Uncle. You're right. Um, where it's like. It, I would I would argue Tarantino does a little of it too, where it's like, um, what's his name? The guy who did Smoke and Aces, like quirky action, where it's like we're not like other action movies. We're quirky and fun, and there's weird coincidences, and the camera moves around in very bombastic ways. Usually, which again, the the gore is usually played for slapstick. Yeah, and it, it and it can be often very fun. Other times, it can get a little tiring. Um, but this this definitely seems like it's in that uh in that category uh i i don't know i'm i'm curious to know with the true story is there a version of this where you could have done like an actual serious like drama or like a war drama i'm sure yeah i think i think that would like this is kind of the more outside the box idea to do with a story like that right yeah i don't know i don't know the story enough i guess I mean, there's a time when this stuff dominated the box office back in the era of the Dirty Dozen, stuff like yeah. that. But uh, I don't know if you could still do that in 2024. But uh, I don't but. know. I I do. I am glad we have movies like this because they do seem like, I don't know, it's fun. Um, and it's, uh, it seems neat enough. I don't know. I'll see it. 
Yeah, man. Um, I was into that. I really, I really like the man from Uncle. I think yeah, we got Henry Cable yeah. in this doing a I like doing a thing. He's being a little bit zany in this trailer. I'm into that. Henry Cable, when he's used well, like he can be very funny. I think. Oh, also, uh, the world's biggest boy, Reacher, is in this. Alan Richton. Oh, is he? Yeah, wearing tiny little glasses. Uh, he's wearing Dave Batista glasses. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> his, you see that big guy? Impressive bigness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's wonderful uh, i still need to watch season two of reacher <laughs> i haven't watched any of it oh man dave I'll, it's perfect watch, you'll love it you'll love it i it's, know it's the daddest show ever made i know i saw the movies <laughs> the the tom cruise movies it's so much better when stretched out to a full season because the, the nature of the plot where there are zero twists or any kind of <laughs> right, un- unexpected really events or when the when the main character is literally never in any kind of peril whatsoever it's just yes. so, so it's just such a comfort watch. It's like watching the Great British Bake Off, where it's just like, oh yeah, like no, this guy's he's he's bigger than everyone else, and he's smarter than everyone else. They have they pose no threat to him whatsoever. So we're just like the climax spoiler is the the main evil guy like demands Reacher come to his headquarters, and it's like Reacher shows up there, and it's like no, drop your gun. And they take his gun away. And keep in mind, Reacher is like seven foot eight and weighs four hundred right. pounds of just pure muscle. It's like, aha, we've got you right where we want you. And all of his tiny little henchmen are like children next to Reacher. <laughs> and as the audience is supposed to be saying, like, how's he going to get out of this? Uh, and again, this a man who early, you know, earlier in the season, we've seen him, you know, just kick an entire car to death with his own just his own shoes and his at one point picks up an entire barbecue grill and throws it at a car and totals the car he's literally just the incredible hulk only he's also a super genius i I think Uh, at one point he breaks like zip tie handcuffs just by flexing uh, right yeah it's not anything it's no it's no (laughs) effort uh so uh so they get him there it's like ah we've got you right right where we want you what are you going to do against me and my my seven or eight much smaller henchmen uh, because they have his hand in like zip ties and he just kicks them all to death with his giant feet. And it's like, <laughs> oh, we, okay. His feet, we should have thought of those. Yeah, we should have thought of that. He's he's bigger and stronger than all of us combined. All right. Uh, it was a completely predictable outcome. Oh, that sounds lovely. Also, like, I feel like every other scene is just about how big he is. <laughs> it's just people marveling at how big he is. It's a well, combination of people marveling how big he is and then much, much smaller people challenging him right. to, to combat. So in the very first episode of the, of the show, he has to go to jail on uh, false charges. And he, he goes into a cell and then there's like the scene where the, the big, the, the tough guy prison inmate is like threatening him or threatening to like sexually assault him. And it's like, well, 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 fresh meat. But the guy in the prison is saying this into Reacher's chest because Reacher is a full 18 Amazing. inches taller at, and 150 pounds of pure muscle bigger than them. So it's like a child saying it to a bouncer at a bar. Like, well, 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 what do we hear? And then sure enough, Reacher just effortlessly beats the man to death. And that's the whole show. It just repeats that that beat over and over again. And that show, that show will run for 30 years until they have to cast some other younger, bigger man. <laughs> because they will, you will never run out of that. I will watch every season. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, Should we talk about it? Yeah, next trailer. Um, what is the next trailer? It's Ricky Stanicki. Oh, fuck. 
Ricky Stanicki. Now, so the... Wow, Siri's going nuts over here. Hey, Siri, no. None of that. Siri, none of that. She wanted to get on on Ricky Stanicki, man. Apparently, that was very strange. Maybe she Um, has thoughts about it. Yeah. Anyway, this is a fucking Peter Farley. This is written by uh, six people. It's been been in production since 2010. Yeah. I I think this is a decent premise. That isn't to say this movie is going to be amazing, which is that a group of friends have a fake best friend that they use to get out of things, like an excuse, um, that they then almost get caught faking, so they have to hire a guy... And it feels very cable guy where like the guy they hire, in this case, John Cena, starts like getting involved with their lives too right. much. He's a nutcase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you guys looked at the poster for this? No, I, I do agree, though. The, the trailer seems fine and it's a really good premise. Right. But it also everything like uh, here, I'm linking the poster in okay. the doc. It just looks like a 2005 comedy poster to the point that it has on it a big yellow stamp that says warning an R-rated comedy. And it's just like, oh, God. Wow. It's, it's the most repellent poster. Um, well, it's the Ferrelli. It's one of the Ferrelli brothers, right? People don't know yeah. this was there's something about Mary and uh, Dumb and Dumber. They, these guys that dominated comedy in the 90s and uh, have moved on to other films since then. I don't know. Is there an age where you're too old to direct an edgy comedy? Is there a point where you lose that? Because Peter I... Ferrelli cannot be a young man at this point no he i is think not. it's it's roughly around the time that you release a movie in 2024 with the poster where one of the characters is dressed like britney spears from hit me yes. baby one more time yeah and, and the joke is bleak. that it's a man dressed like that like, right it's john cena dressed as that a man <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if a man wore lady clothes you know yeah. that music video not... that came out 25 years ago <laughs> Also, remember, this is the director of Green Book, too. Did we mention that? Sure. Well, he's, um, yeah, he moved on to, that's the thing. He moved on to, like, more serious films, which, again, is something yeah. you do as you get older. Like, like you would not, you know, these days, Jim Carrey is not doing movies like this. Not very often. Right. He did that, the Dumb and Dumber sequel that I think right. made everybody sad. Because when that is a pair of guys who are both 67 years old, it's just not as much fun for some reason. Uh, I know I'm sounding really ageist here, but comedy has a young people skew to it. It's just the way it is. It's always aimed at the sensibility of people who are 20 now. It's always aimed at like I think so, yeah. college kids of, of the current era. Uh, so I don't know. It may be fine. It's just that they've, yeah, they've been trying to get this movie made for 15 years, it sounds like. And it's, it's just been bounced around from to various stars and they finally got it made. Uh, but we should kind of be rooting for this because like the big the mid-budget studio release comedy is a dying thing. Oh yeah, yeah. like there oh, was yeah. a time when you, your top ten movies of the year, five of them would be some, you know, some comedy starring, you know, some extremely famous comedian. It would be Dumb and Dumber. Like those were among, you know, the the Ace Ventura two was like one of the highest grossing movies of that year. That kind of doesn't happen anymore. That stuff either gets dumped directly to streaming, saving the. Um, theaters for uh, you know superhero movies and dramas we're in a dry spell with comedy movies i'd say i think tv were pretty good yeah um some, but it's been some good jokes on tv that's true yeah I, I i as to being too old i think you just have to like work harder the older you get like you have to pay more attention to like what young people are choking about and doing 
that's 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 what I'd say. Like it's easy. I think it's easy for people like this to go like, yeah, I know I know comedy. I got it. I'll just keep doing it. You know what I mean? Uh, and they get set in that way where it's, it's this, more of a uh, refusal to change. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true across the board for, for comedy. I think it's more, I definitely agree with Jason. It seems most glaring in comedy and it's it, yeah. when, when you're kind well, of, it's most glaring in this kind of comedy, like the Farrelly Brothers yeah. style of comedy specifically. Right, because, well, you look at like drama, like Scorsese, he can always make a drama, right? That that genre doesn't change. Not he really. knows what makes a good drama. Mm-hmm. Whereas comedy, it really is like, the it's, style of comedy like we're we're really into absurdist comedy right now right like slapstick right. is slapstick i would say is a version like absurdist and slapstick go together but you have to know like the right kind of slapstick um you know we've gotten out of the judd abatow stuff uh which is good because that's a, like i feel like that's even a harder thing for someone to do if they're not in tune with kids right because it's a very pop culture um dependent and stuff like that right, it's like iterative so, of kevin smith to yeah. A degree. yeah and that sort of thing it's like you have to be watching all the things right you have to be with it you have to know what kids are into um so i i would argue slapstick like you could you could say like that doesn't die right but the farley brothers specifically i feel like well, they that's, had a very it's not very brief window it's because it, it's not totally slapstick right it's shock it's offensive it's like trying yes, to be it's shocking shock it's trying to be outrageous specifically Right, which, which gets old very fast. Yeah, that's harder to do, especially when, and when you're an old guy. It's just weird. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Again, it depends. I think it depends, but most of the time, you have. I think you have to work harder. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with that. And this looks like just that it was. It's two decades old. <laughs> like it just has all the the. Like the vibes and the DNA. Like, I, I don't know how to describe this. All the shots look like a commercial. Does that make sense? Where it's like the the actors, everybody just feels like they're in a Geico commercial a little bit. Did that, did you guys get that vibe? Uh, so I, I think so. I think I know what you're talking about. It's yeah. just a little bit of an antiquated style. Yeah, where it's like kind of cute. Um I don't know if that means the movie's going to be good or bad because trailers are a nightmare. It's hard to gauge, especially comedies. For sure. Um, Somebody mentioned Cable Guy. That's, I think, uh, the best way this movie... If this movie ends up being weirdly dark, then I'll I'll be more interested in in it, for sure. But uh, it's a good premise. Um, Maybe this works. I like John Cena. Yeah, I know why this has been around for a while because I think it's a premise that, like... They sort of knew, like, oh, this is a, we got something here, you know? Uh, Should we talk about, what is this, Tuesday? Let's do it. Tuesday with... uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. The bird is Satan, Oh, the bird. (laughs) They're talking about Elaine from Seinfeld. No, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in this. All right, it looks like the bird is death, which makes a lot more sense. It talks like death. It's about a woman and her teenage daughter who is dying and a bird shows up and the, the, the synopsis says they must confront death when it arrives in the form of a talking bird. So, yeah, it's like this, this bird that changes size and, um, the, it seems like the, the trailer then becomes about the daughter teaching the mom how she's going to 
continue living her life once she is she the daughter is in, inevitably gone because she has a terminal illness right this um, looks very art house very heavily symbolic i, I suspect it's not very many people going to see it but i love that i love to watch what julia louis dreyfus does because as a lot of people know she's a billionaire not, not from seinfeld she's from a billionaire family like the dreyfus name this is a this is a famous and, and very powerful family in France. They have a, a scandal called the Dreyfus Affair. That's actually a distant relative of hers. Uh, so whatever she's doing, she's not doing it for the money. She's not doing it to try to keep her career going. She's doing it because she wants to. She doesn't have to do yeah. anything. Um, so the fact that she chose this dramatic role, very there's not like a moment of levity in this trailer. It is 100% her talking about mortality and having to, you know, having your own offspring has appears to have a terminal illness and that she like knowing you're going to outlive your child. And it's, it's about sadness and just coming to terms with death or whatever. So I, I don't know. I think it's interesting that she, that she chose that. Um, yeah, I guess the cynical view is that she's going for an award, but I, I don't think that's it here. I think, yeah, this is clearly something that interested her and she looks like she's doing a great job in it. This does look like a good movie, I think. It does. I just want to call it one moment in the trailer that made me laugh out loud, um, and that's yeah. not what they wanted. Uh, Is it when the birds started talking? It's 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 a it's a reprise of the bird talking. It's there's this huge emotional sequence uh, toward the end of the trailer where it's Julie Dreyfus and the daughter sharing this very crushingly bittersweet, poignant moment and then it cuts sharply into the the bird talking again and there's just it's the jarring beat between this super emotional moment and the swelling music and then the bird with its weird cartoon frank welker voice going like i'm flying through the air now it i it hit me like a board to the face <laughs> and it's like the last it's the last image of the trailer so that's like the last impression i have of this movie is laughing at the silly bird voice i want <sighs> i hope it I hope throughout it keeps going like, I would like some seeds, please. Give me some seeds from your palm. Crackers. Yeah. And peanut butter. <laughs> it's very jarring. Like when the birds start talking and it just sounds like a monster. Yeah. It's very jarring. It's it wild. Is, <laughs> you know, it's not typically how parrots sound. Um and I love that they're just like dealing with because it, it, the first thing it says is like your daughter has to go now. And like I get that it's supposed to do be death. But my first question would be, are you Satan? And does that mean that you're going to take the soul of my daughter? Uh, I, I, I like because she says it, too. That's also clear. Like they both see the fucking bird. So that implies that the bird is, in fact, a magical being that has join them so i'd have a lot of questions for that bird is my point mm -hmm. um i would be very suspicious of the bird you know i don't think yeah. the bird is very comforting you wouldn't turn your back up on, as a on, bird. A, on a bird like that that's for sure no no uh not at all let's move but on yeah it looks good all right <laughs> all right this next one is forever young What'd you guys think of this? Not the not the one with mel gibson not the mel gibson the pilot according um, to imdb i i looked up Forever Young, I found 12 movies that were oh, either wow. called Forever Young or they had Forever Young as part of a three-word title. But it, that is, man, you've got to be careful in naming your films. This is, 
going to get lost real fast. You got to you've got to have this keep the stuff in mind. Call it something else, you cowards. You know, I, I get it. It may be perfect for the the premise is about aging and about there's a wonder right. drug that lets people return to their youth. And again, just like the previous film we just talked about, it's going to be heavily symbolic because it's about accepting the passage of time and you know and what was like well what would you do if you could just go back and do all the stuff again and there's the one guy's like i don't have any regrets i just want to i just want to go and i don't want to do it all over and that's you know uh, the the actual logistics of how it all works is secondary it's about yeah regret and aging and loss and the and your own mortality this is like would be a good double header with that previous movie i'm sure if you just wanted to be very sad for the rest of the weekend this this could be your Barbenheimer if you could just want to spend the rest of the weekend contemplating your mortality. Watch these two movies back to back. But again, maybe something that would win awards. It's, it looks like it will be a powerful movie with a lot of a lot of uh, sad moments that I probably will not watch. But other people, that's really their yeah. thing. Yeah, I. Do you guys agree with me here? I don't buy the guy saying he doesn't want to take the drug, and here's here's why is I've seen that in other movies. Death Becomes Her, for example. Anything with a vampire. But whenever those other movies do this, there's always a price to pay. Um, like it's, you know, Death Becomes Her, you become a corpse, right? You fall apart. You slowly just disintegrate. Um, vampire, you're selling your soul, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe there is something in here, but they don't show it. From what I can tell, all they're saying is like, take this drug and you'll be young again. And the guy being like, well, I have no regrets. I've lived my life. It's like, sure, but you could you could do it again, right? Like, are you, yeah, are you scared be, you're going to fuck it up? That'd be pretty like, cool, Like, what's right? the downside? Right. Like, what's the downside of that? Being like, I lived a good life. And it's like, that's fine. Yeah, you're you're ready to well, move on. Well, I mean, the, down, but the downside is everybody you know and care about dies, right? So, like. Yeah, but you can start over. It's the, it's yeah. the, it's, it's the price of immortality i think the pretty classic price of immortality all right yeah i mean i guess if it's immortality i'd be thinking about it a little harder but just assuming they're like here's another like 80 years i'd be like cool i want to i want to see all those new movies that'll come out <laughs> and then all his friends i want to see how a song take... of ice and fire ends <laughs> right but then all everybody around him is also taking the drug so like you're right but also it seems like that's i don't know man I, I, it just uh, it seems like a cool deal that's all that's what the movie's about though it's supposed to be a, you're yeah. curious why would this guy make that decision that's the point because the idea is that in our present culture we do worship youth and this is you know especially in hollywood you have you know, actors that try to stay looking 25 until they're 60 and get surgery and all that and and tom cruise definitely is not letting himself age into grandpa roles he's still playing right the same roles he would have played when he was 25 years old as the secret agent jumping off the roof of a train. Um, and so this is partially about that, like this desire to cling to being a certain age and worshiping youth. And, you know, as opposed to just accepting that this is your, your life and it's time for the next group of young people to take over. That's, that's what it's about. That's uh, it's going to be, it's probably going to be the point. And I, I'm I saying that right. yeah. having, watch the trailer pretty sure i can guess everything that happens in the movie but maybe i'm wrong right i don't know yeah it it definitely looks interesting i i'm with you where i'm like i'm not sure when i'll see this uh for the reason where i like i feel like i get that message and what it's gonna be but may i mean maybe it'll surprise us you know 
Speaking yeah. of the, the movie having a title that's been used a million times. I was I, about to say. I remember Sean Baby wrote a, a column about a Jean-Claude Van Damme action movie called Hardcore, where the core <laughs> is spelled like Marine Corps, like C-O-R-P-S. Uh, oh, hell yeah. And, he was, and in the column, he was like, wait a second. Is this honestly the first action movie to ever be called Hardcore Corpse, like Hardcore? And it is. He's like, wow, how, how were they the first ones to think of that? You would think there'd be 13 direct-to-DVD action movies all called hardcore. 100%. Yeah, I think there was a Contra game at some point that like, yeah, how did they miss that one? Yeah, this one is Immaculate, which yes, there are several. Um, this one's not the it, title of a Rod Stewart song, though, unlike, no. unlike Forever Young. No. Well, not yet. Not be. yet, yeah. Um, this is about... A nun who has an immaculate conception, uh, and sure seems like it's not Jesus that put that baby in there. <laughs> sure seems like not, it's the other one. This is not a remake of The, the Omen. The it Omen, felt like anything like that. Okay. No, they're not, making my, they're some, they're making no. the first Omen, which is coming out, yes. and this looks incredibly like that. Um, it, it it I like I, I love Satan vibes. And what I mean by that, and this doesn't have that completely, but like what I love about the omen is that Satan doesn't like show up. There's no demons. There's like a dog, you know, and like accidents happen, and like people who are like sort of like possessed or in oh. league with Satan. So you mean um, when, you mean when the Dark Lord's just kind of vibing rather than exactly, like, yeah, where we don't see a the demon light where they're touch. not like it's what I don't love about the Conjuring ones where they're like here's the here's the devil. It has a name. It it like it will you can punch it like you can fight it um it just doesn't seem as threatening when it's like a physical entity uh this feels like the other way although i'm not certain but it feels like there's just like a lot of shit going on around her uh as opposed to yeah being like demons jumping out at her it looks gnarly like i love the omen obviously uh yeah. And yeah, definitely original Omen vibes from this. I wasn't impressed with like the beginning of the trailer, but like it it picks up. And then by the end of it, I was like, all right, okay. I, I think yeah. this looks this looks genuinely like it could be spooky. Those nuns are dropping. Looks fun. Oh yeah, with this dude falls off the top of the abbey in the background. Yeah, that's real yeah. like it's all for you, Damien. Yeah, exactly. It's it's got omen vibes. Now Star Sydney uh, Sweeney, who made this film? Who's our Who's our director Michael here? Michael Mohan. It's, uh, yeah, um, somebody I didn't recognize. Yeah, they haven't done much. Um, they they did some short films, it looks like. It looks like it's upcoming, up-and-coming director. They did something called The Voyeurs, um, which was a movie, which I've never heard of. So, yeah, it's fairly indie, I'd say. Um, it looks like they've done like thrillers in the past or something like that. Yeah. So the voyeurs is another Sydney Sweeney movie. So there's your, there's the connection there. Oh, okay. Well, how do I know Sydney Sweeney? Euphoria probably. No. Uh, White Lotus. Did you watch that? No. Uh, Handmaid's Tale. That would be it. Handmaid's (laughs) Tale. (laughs) That's the answer. Um, yeah, but like this uh, horror trailers are always such a fucking toss up, especially horror like trailers this... with nuns in them lately. So I, I, I was yeah. like kind of looking at this like mm, when it started, but I guess a lot of nuns into it. Yeah. Drop, Any other thoughts drop on more this? people off of Abby's. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know when in our culture we all agreed that nuns are extremely creepy, but I, I do. I'm glad we got there. Oh, yeah. And uh, everybody does seem to agree. You, you stick a nun in your movie, there's nothing good's about to happen. Mm -mm. I wonder if it's that, because, like, my mom, like, went to school with nuns, I believe. I think. Uh, she can correct me on that. But, you know, like, there's that stern nun idea, which I think came from the generation who had to go to schools with nuns. Yeah. Uh, and now I, I, I have no science to back this up. Maybe the new generation, we didn't have that as much. And we're just looking at them from afar being like, they're fucking creepy. Like they, they're just dressed all the same. You know, they, they, I don't know that it, it's, it is weird that it took us so long. If we have any listeners out there who are nuns, we mean no offense toward real life, actual nuns. I'm just saying they make good horror movie villains. If you, they do. I'm saying in the world of film, if somebody enters a, a, a dim building and there's a lot of nuns there, it's not it's not going to be a happy scene. It's, Somebody's it's possessed. This, it is functionally the same as walking in and seeing a bunch of mannequins, or like yeah, walking in or and seeing or yeah, blindfolded nurses from Silent Hill. Like you're mm -mm, <laughs> turning right back around and leaving. No nuns for me today, outfit. thank you. Yeah, yeah. You're you're wearing like sixty eight percent of a ghost costume when you're a nun. Yeah. So it's it's nothing personal, but you you know what you did. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Monkey Man. Let's talk about Monkey Man. Let's do it. This is uh this trailer kind of blew up. It came out of nowhere. It's um Jordan Peele um fucking produced it, but uh Dev Patel is the director of it and, and star uh, stars and co -writer. in it. And it's just fucking let's do some more John Wick and I agree. Yeah. Let's do some more John Wick. Yeah, Dev Patel apparently is an accomplished martial artist, wanted to do action films, could not get cast as in that role uh, because I guess, you know, how Hollywood works. Um, so he made this movie, and this is one of the best trailers I've seen in my life in, term, in terms of the way it's edited. It's long, but it, it's paced out to where it kind of slowly builds the way these movies slowly build, the good ones do. There's a slow building and building of tension, then everything explodes when he goes on his rampage. And it is spectacular. The movie looks like it's going to be spectacular. It's anybody. If you're listening to this, if you've not seen the the movie, is called Monkey Man. Go look at it and go look at for the Red Band trailer. They cut some yes. moments of extreme violence for the mainstream main trailer, but you, to get the full experience, look up the Red Band trailer on YouTube and get get excited for this. Yeah, watch a man get his head lit on fire on a stove. It's uh, pretty awesome. On a stove, it is awesome. This I, I, I don't know what there is to say about this trailer except for what you said. Like, this trailer is fucking awesome. I'm so excited for this. The only yeah. thing I do... Oh, go ahead, Jason. The only thing I do want to say is there are a lot of people on uh, Twitter saying, oh my gosh, it's just like, it's like an Indian John Wick. It's like John Wick in Mumbai. Um, from people who kind of are acting like they don't have action movies in India. Right. Um Go look up some some Tollywood action movies if you if you feel like because you're gonna realize I think a lot of audiences in India will be bored by this film because it's like well but why is he not picking up one of the henchmen and then beating two hundred other henchmen to death with that right. henchman that he's swinging by his legs like a baseball bat while ramping a motorcycle over a volcano like why is it <laughs> why is it just this one man beating six men to death in a kitchen where's the Where's the, the the scale here? Is this is this just are we building up to the real action? Uh, we're just not ready for that yet. 
No, American the audiences are mines. not. No. No. Uh, man, Dev Patel, I, I, at this point, I want to go back through because it, it feels like, basically, if he's in it, it's probably a pretty good movie. It feels like at this point, like, I love his taste and weird, especially. Yeah, the, the Green Knight was so extremely my jam. Oh, yeah, I love the Green Knight. Um, and, yeah, I just, fuck, man. <laughs> he's wearing a monkey mask and beating people up. Yeah, just it's beating the monkey Christ man. out of people. Yeah, I don't know what to say here. It just looks really goddamn good i didn't realize that he was just into martial arts i was i figured it was either that or dev patel wanted to get into martial arts and was like i how can i make this attacks right off um it was one or the other like a like a passenger 57 situation yeah where he just like made this movie around being able to get swole up and fucking learn how to kick people's asses uh yeah everybody check out the trailer i i what is it the, the plot who fucking matters i think it's a revenge basically like people murdered his mother and his family and he's trying to kill them uh the evil wealthy that. people in mumbai some evil tycoon has is oppressing the masses and killed someone yeah. close to him and now he has to seek societal justice by kicking enough asses with his bare hands yeah and we're, we're gonna watch it yeah more than obviously yeah. it's gonna be yeah. awesome uh speak of the opposite of that uh <laughs> aggro drift aggro drift so i want to tell you guys my journey on this sure this is a trailer it doesn't have that many views and i was looking for more hype and i ran into this trailer and i started watching it and i got about 15 seconds in before i went over to close it because i was like okay this is like some really weird indie project you know, that some kids did or something because uh, it didn't look particularly impressive. And then it just said from the director of Gummo. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a fucking second. What am I looking at here? <laughs> uh, and so I had to include it because what the what's going on here? It's, it, it's well, Harmony Corinne, uh, who, if you know, he directed Gummo and uh, what is it? Spring Breakers. Spring Breakers. Uh, he wrote Kids. Uh, it, he sure did. It looks like a 3DO cutscene. Like it looks like a a cutscene from a a, a next gen video game system in 1994 or something. It, it's crazy. It's pull, so the, all the 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 colors are reversed. They're right. Okay. It's it, negative. Well, that's that. I'm not sure that's exactly it, but you know, it's like, definitely part of it. Yeah, it does. It looks like negative, but but it's also like colored in like with like neon and right. Uh, it, it looks like it, a real shitty. 3d it looks polygonal like a camera game. filter yeah 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 like a uh mini dv camera filter is what it looks like and it's about an assassin that's the other part it like starts with him being like i am the world's greatest assassin and i'm like okay so this was made by a teenager <laughs> he's also fighting like robots and stuff <laughs> it does it's the trailer starts to look a little better visually but it never it also by the way has terrible reviews um, it already has reviews and everybody's just like, I don't know what this is or why he made it. It's kind of his but, speed, right? Yeah, th that's yeah. his thing. He makes weird off-putting stuff. And I've always wondered how guys like this paid the bills because he's not cranking out a movie every year. He did this and then it looks like I'm looking at IMDb. The last project before this was like four years ago. And then he did like a Gucci's, a Gucci video for like a corporate video in 2019 and then a film called The Beach Bum in 2019 and then didn't work for three years before that. And he made a music video for Rihanna. Did right. a, a Dior ad in two years before that, 2014. Spring Breakers was 2012. Like, 
In terms of mainstream movies that would actually make some sort of a profit, the last thing he's made was 14 years ago. So does he have another job? Does he do... Because he doesn't have other credits. It, so people you hear about like this where they make a weird experimental film once every six or seven years. Um, you know, like the guy who did... Um, oh, gosh. The, the weird time travel movie. That I can't remember what it's called now. Um, Primer? Yeah, the, the primer in Upstream Color. Like, like that's the guy who makes a movie like every eight years. And it's like, so what are you doing before between that? Do you own a restaurant or something? Or do you, are you just working working at a job? I think, I think, so there's an Onion article that reminds me of this. The Onion article was Shy Brothers in Affluent Suburb already feeling pressure to become auteur filmmakers, which is what I think is the answer. Is a lot of these people were just rich. Oh, Like okay. a lot of these people are just people who had money and who, who like... I wondered that when I first started getting into writing movies and stuff, like how do people get these movies made? And like these movies that come out of nowhere, you know, like your, your Spike Joneses. And then you look into it and you're like, oh, they were just rich and connected. Um, so I think I don't want to say that about this person, right? Like without looking it up, but a lot of the time it's people who already had money, who have that ability to just sort of do whatever they want. You know, and I don't know, maybe maybe he does own a successful like franchise, you know, of restaurants and that's how he got his money. Like, I don't want to say they were necessarily born rich or make a judgment call on that or act like it's good or bad. But that is part of the pattern I've seen where it's in some way they've probably already have some amount of money to do this to begin with. Like Neil Breen. Neil Breen is basically that. He just, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> has a special talent. Like I think Neil Breen is just he's a he's a real estate guy, I guess, but he's clearly independently like rich from that that he can make his movies on the side. So right. I have to assume that's what's going on here. Well, Harmony Corinne's been around f- for a while too. Like Kids is from the nineties and, and so is, oh, I mean yeah. so is Gummo and uh, so I maybe but like, I, I don't know. Well like, Gummo and Kids, you're not getting like no <laughs> residual checks like that are paying for a house in in Hollywood, right? Like that's they're not right. that kind of movie. I'm sure no. they they made some money on DVD or and you sell the the rights to cable and all that. But I don't know. I'm I'm just always curious because you know we've talked about this before that there are some actors who you know and you've seen in commercials, you've seen show up on sitcoms, but they're working in restaurants, they're waiting tables, even though you can watch them on your TV. Everybody assumes that if you appear on a screen, you're wealthy. And it's like no, not at all. It doesn't It doesn't work like that. So these guys who seem to have the luxury of just kind of picking and choosing, they're not having to go out and do... Because on IMDb, you look at a lot of directors, what you see is this giant list of like TV episodes they've directed. Because it's right. clear that in between features, they're having to work as a hired gun, and they'll go and direct an episode of this, you know, of CSI, and an episode of this show, and this, and they, they just drop in and, and get paid, and get paid decent money, and they can make a good living that way. But then you've got guys like this where it's like, no, like he just disappears for five or six years and reappears with the weirdest thing you've ever seen in your life, knowing that it's not going to make any money. Again, nobody producing this thought is going to is going to make them yeah, all no rich. One, 500 no like, people are going to see this movie. Get like, me the writer of kids like yeah. I, I need the writer of kids to slap something together. The, the, um, the creative powerhouse behind Gummo. Yeah, I'm 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 now going to look this up cuz I am curious like this guy has a lot of projects I noticed. 
Um, and I think he does do like commercials. That's the other thing. When when a filmmaker does a lot of commercials, sometimes it's not on their IMDb. So it's possible he is just working. Um, he's just doing the stuff and not, you know, and like just not advertising it or anything like that. So that's entirely possible. Um, I love that. he. I, I love that he paused from whatever it was he was doing to give us this weird robot movie. Yeah, which I'm going to have to see, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to kind of have to see it. It looks... Yeah, not getting good reviews. No, but, but it's it looks weird enough in an indecipherable way that I sort of have to watch at least a few minutes of it. I mean, what, yeah. what on earth even is this? Yeah, I man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he's going for here, but... I don't know, it man. Looks, <laughs> Agro it, it looks... Aggro drift. <laughs> Agro Drift, by the way, the I in Drift is a number one. I didn't write it that way because I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to play his game. But Sweet. it's Agro Drift, number one, is how it's pronounced. Uh, yeah, don't, don't get me started really on that. Like, oh, wait, go ahead. Don't get me started on that because they released the like the logo for Tron 3 that's in filming. And they, oh, replaced, yeah. <laughs> they replaced the O in Tron with the number three. That doesn't and, even begin to work. That's like seven all over. Yeah, it is. No, yeah. So, yeah, it in no way does a three look like a letter O. It, you you could replace the R with a three more easily than you could replace the O. But it's like they don't care. But but no, you can't just stick a number anywhere in your thing and expect us to just go along with it. it that's yeah. We have a society we're trying to run here. <laughs> exactly. Rules. I'm so mad at Tron Three. I'm so mad that they had the guy who did the last Top Gun. Uh, and Tron, the Tron Legacy, like he was going to do it. He wanted to do a third tr- Tron and they didn't for so long. And now it's a new director and like Jared Leto. And like, I was so excited. I was so excited for a new Tron. And they just kind of fucking took the wind out of my sails. Although Gillian Anderson's in it. So that's something. Yeah, that's a big check in the positive column. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's move Should on. we think some more producers? Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right. Where are... Hold on. Sorry. All right. Big old thank you to Dan Hackroyd. Thank you. Thank you to Davey, the ghost of East Las Vegas, Francis. Thank you so much. Thank you to David Knife Boot. Knife Boot. Henson. Thank you to Barbara's Awesome... Or, sorry, Deborah's Awesome. Barbara's Great and Cancer Can Go to Hell. Thank you thank so much. You. Thank you to Dracula, the bus driving vampire. Toot toot. Thank you to Drefless and his elephant army. Demand you watch Lair of the White Worm. Sure. Can do. Thank you to E.T., the extravagant terrestrial. Thank you. Thank you to Ed Nug. Thanks so much. Thank you to Exploding Room. Thank you. Thank you to Funky J. Mostly comes out at night. Mostly. All right. Let me swoop in here. Thank you to Happy Holidays from the Ghost of Dave, Andrew Thomas. Thank you. Thank you to Heathcliff's Helping Hamfuls. Thank you. Thank you to ImpossibleWorlds.net. Issue 3 is out now. Gorge yourself on our fiction. Gorge. Thank you. Thank you to Jade the Crow Baron says, Build a guillotine in rich people's yard. 2024. Thank you. Thank you to Chris Shadovich. Thank you. Thank you to Lieutenant Frank Drebin, Police Squad. Thank you. Thank you to Look Mom on a podcast. Thank you. Thank you to Mabel. Step on me. Step on Step me. Step on me. Thank you to Mackenzie <laughs> Fuck Shuffling with Willem Dafoe's confusingly large dick. Chill. Thank you. And thank you to Mercurial Oz. Thanks. Um, I want to talk about these fucking log legs trailer or, or posters. I've been, uh, Jason, I've been chronicling like yeah. long legs' marketing. Over the past because they put out few episodes several- of Hypecast, yeah. Yeah, they put out several teasers with no title of the 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 movie and just like a couple of brief shots that were really creepy. Uh, that included a nun, and as you pointed out, these also include a nun. 
the, now they put out finally they've decided they, they finally they've given us a title and they're putting out a series of p- posters these pictures and letting us know that it's Micah Monroe and Nicolas Cage Nicolas Cage is in fact playing a serial killer that Micah Monroe is hunting I'm just so I'm just so into this um yeah all what the, do you guys think of these I mean all the trailers and posters have been real creepy um I, I like marketing campaigns that lean into a vibe. It can get pretty gimmicky because uh, we're not seeing anything about the movie. But um, yeah, one at a time is how I think of it. Like if every horror movie did this at once, mm-hmm. I'd get real sick of it. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, uh, I'm hyped for this movie. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a film I would not have had any reason to care about or have heard about. It is purely the cleverness of their marketing and how beautifully it's been done that I, I know it sounds gross to say what a great job marketing these people did that's but no it's this is that's an art form there's so much so many horror trailers are could have been edited by an ai they've got the exact same beats the exact same jump scares the exact same uh score everything about them to be creative and how you put the film out there that's such a nice thing to do for the people who made took the trouble to make the film yeah to you know you give some people something to talk about and i've seen this stuff all shared all over twitter like that's yeah that that takes skill and many studio movies do not put this level of effort into it because they, they really don't, don't care yeah it's weird it's, how I was just, i'm assuming oh, sorry oh no you go i was just saying it's real blair witch vibes yeah and uh, like Blair Witch and like a lot of successful marketing campaigns, often you learn that the filmmakers are involved because like it's weird that they don't do that more where it's like, yeah, of co- like the Alien trailer was, I believe, edited by Ridley Scott, um, where it's like, yeah, they're the ones who want you to see the movie. Right. So like I know it doesn't always work out that way, but you can always tell when a trailer like. You know, or you'll see it when a director comes out and says like, man, I wish they didn't show that in the trailer for the movie. I and putting out where like they'll be mad at their own marketing and so it's weird how marketing works where it feels like a lot of these places will like remove the the filmmakers from the equation which seems like bad and also like more expensive like i imagine again if you went and went to the writers and filmmakers and said like do you want to work on the marketing they'd probably do it for very little money (laughs) because they want their movie to be seen well, this uh, is how Ryan Reynolds became the face of it everywhere you turn on every billboard is that, you know, when he went out and with his own money shot that little segment of Deadpool to prove that it, like a proof of concept uh, that a gory, profane Deadpool film could work. And then uh, there's a whole history there that with that Sony leak, it got out to fans and that built up the, the hype and actually got the film made. He started his own like basically ad campaign promotion company right so all of these ads he does for his own vodka brand for mint mobile all that stuff that's his own company producing those ads and it was all about saying no i'm like i don't know if people remember the way that he did the promotion for the original deadpool but he did these you know all these spots where it's always him it's always him in the costume it's stuff shot specifically for the promo it's not just cuts from the movie it's him doing a bit in the costume and it's he him doing it himself with his own, like he's writing it, he's coming up with it, and it was worlds above what you were seeing done with, you know, with other franchises. It made all the difference in the world because he's always kind of making fun of himself. It's it's not like 
it's not like when the rock goes live on instagram or whatever it, it's just it's very funny and self-effacing and all that but it is him the creative person taking the reins and saying no i'm going to show you uh how to reach people how to reach the fans he's kind of yeah made a new template for that yeah and i i feel like a lot of industries need that with that with, without pulling from any personal experiences <laughs> like the podcast industry for example and youtube ad industry uh is very troublesome with this where they they really like like people don't listen to those ads but perhaps they would if you made them interesting and by making them interesting you have to give the creators some sort of control over that um and like it makes it makes just for better ads i don't know and like isn't the point for to get more people's attention to want make people want to watch them as opposed to skip over them uh and like yeah, they're they're killing it with this. Yeah, yeah, these little the the, the posters are awesome. Uh, you should find the trailers, uh, uh, yeah. listener, if you haven't. They're like genuine, like little pieces of art, like little short horror films. Yeah, I can't wait to watch Nicolas Cage play a fucking just a maniac, <laughs> like a terrifying maniac. <laughs> oh. um, I'm gonna make wait, a, I'm gonna was... make a bold prediction. I bet he does it understated. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you never know. You never know. You, you never know with Nicolas Cage. That is very true. Yeah. Uh, the only other story I threw in here was that Jon Stewart is returning to The Daily Show, which people have kind of digested for a little bit. It's been more yeah. than a week since. Uh, he's only returning to Mondays, I assume, because he was like, absolutely not. <laughs> and they're like, just do one day. And he was like, all right, I'll do the first day. He's also first day of the week. returning as executive producer. Yes, so he's going to probably make a lot of money yeah. uh, to host for one day and produce. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, he did his Apple show, and they wouldn't let him do the episode that he wanted to do about China, I think it was, so he walked yeah. from that. Um, I guess he still wants to... It makes tons of it sense. Makes se it makes sense. It makes sense. The I landscape has totally changed since he left, though. The I ratings know. to Comedy Central and the ratings to The Daily Show and that, you know, the subsequent hosts they've had are, I don't know, 10% of what they were before. The audience right. has moved on. The audience gets that type of information from YouTube now or from podcasts. I think Cody is doing a better show than Jon Stewart was doing. If I'm, if, in terms of, because the advantage that, the, that YouTube has is doing the deep dives into the subject, which is, I feel like where the world went for the people who like to consume that kind of content. And that's what, you know, John Oliver did with his show where you've got a couple of funny bits, but it's like, okay, now we're going to spend 20 minutes explaining the details of an issue. And it's so much more compelling that the daily show as it existed before, where it's a few news stories and you talk to a guest, guest interviews are always boring in every show. Mm -hmm. uh, I think if you brought it back the way it exists before, I think the world has moved on. I, I really do. And I, yeah. I, the, he existed in a moment of time where he was in the Obama era examining the rise of the craziness on the right that was the result of the Obama years and the rise of all the conspiracy stuff on the right and the rise of what was, would eventually be the Trump movement. But how long has he been gone Eight, eight years, nine years. He wasn't there when Trump got elected, right? Then he, he pulled the ripcord. No. Mm -hmm. So in like yeah, 2015, fair. something like that, the world, the media landscape has changed so profoundly. I will be very interested to know if this 
even makes uh, an, a, a ripple. He's definitely going to have to, they're going to have to follow the last week tonight thing by putting it on YouTube. <clears throat> For the reason you're saying, people don't, they don't watch Comedy Central. They're not going to, they will watch it on their lunch break on YouTube, you know? Um, it reminds me of when he was covering Bush when after 9 11, mm-hmm. him saying subliminable is no longer a punchline, meaning that this show has to fundamentally change now that the stakes are higher. <clears throat> where it's like, it wasn't just like, we couldn't just make fun of how the president talked silly. Like now he's bringing us into a war. Um, and that sort of still applies here, like you're saying, which is like opening monologues, um, talk shows, like interviews of guests. It's not really it's not really what people are looking for anymore. They are looking for people to explain things, and to actually like break things down and why something is that way and why things are so fucked up. So like, I don't know. I, I didn't watch too much of his new show. And like, I'm forever grateful about his old show getting, you know, I grew up on the daily show. So I want, I want him to adapt, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he will. I know they've been very, they've clearly, like, Trevor Noah was good. He was very good. But then once he left, they seemed to just refuse to hire somebody. <laughs> and there yeah. were people, right? right there were like people Roy that Wood people Jr. were. Right, Jr. that everybody yeah. really wanted. Yeah. And I don't know what was going on. Why they just fucking, re- you like, couldn't do it. And now this is such a weird, like, hybrid where it's like, I think they just wanted to get Jon Stewart back permanently. And maybe they're still courting him. I don't know. But now it's like SNL, where it's like different hosts. And that, I don't think that works for a new show, you know? Because it actually points out, because that's the other thing. It, it kind of points out the game, right? Which is that, like... Wait, was it Jon Stewart all these years or was it just a team of writers? You know what I mean? Like by making the host kind of interchangeable, it's like, well, who is this coming from anymore? You know, like especially a political show, you need to have like sort of a starting point, like a person, like a rock that's there that you're like, this is the the, the personality that this is all coming from. Like some more news very much comes out of Cody, right? Cody and Katie. Um, and so, like, if we just had, had different people saying the stuff, that would be weird, right? And so, I don't, I don't know, like, I haven't watched the New Daily Show, but do they allow the host to, like, inject their opinions in there? Or are they just saying lines uh, about news stories? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I just yeah. think the format, I also think that the talk show format is just feels passe. Because, like, right now, it's something that didn't exist when he was on the air before there are, you know, there are Twitch personalities that are very political and they do a lot of political debate and they will stay on there for six straight hours talking right. about a subject. And it is all about this person and their viewpoint. And, and obviously you've got the Joe Rogan fans who will watch his show for three or four hours a day and they will listen to 12 hours a week of Joe Rogan. It's just a different way of approaching things where it's not a whole bunch of pre-written jokes. It's just, just you know, jumping from quip to quip and okay here's making fun of how uh mitch mcconnell looks like a turtle and here's look how fat chris christie is and here's donald trump right. said something outrageous and look how tiny his hands are like it feels very old-fashioned it's you know i don't know but uh he also is getting older and i don't know i'll be interested I, i'll try to watch it but i suspect my the way i interact with it is when he says some really killer thing for 45 seconds that will get spread on Twitter and that will be, most people will be satisfied with just that amount of it. 
Yeah, for sure. I agree. I also think, yeah, the half-hour format. I, I've talked about this. We, we've talked about it with some more news where it's like, what if we got network and they're like, make a 22-minute show? And it's like, how do we even do that? Our shows are like an hour long. Um, like being limited by length is also a big issue with political shows and stuff like this where it's like, I don't know how... Uh, I don't know how last week tonight manages to do it. Um, it seems impossible. You have to bite off very little chunks as you go. And like you're saying where it's like, you know, H bomber guy puts out a four hour long video on plagiarism and everybody loves it because that's just how people do it now. Like they like the, they like to kind of control how, when they watch something. And so for that reason, you can put out hours of content and people can just choose when to start and stop it as they go. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but just one one final thing to say on that. I know that it sounds earlier like I, I it sounded like I was saying that I think Cody is a, a better host of his show than Jon Stewart is of his show. Uh, I 100% objectively believe that, by the way. I think Cody is better at it than Jon Stewart. I will. I, I am unashamed to say oh, that. I, think I agree. I think, I he think has, Cody spent years growing into that role from when he first showed up at crack, which has now been oh, Jesus Christ, like 15 years ago, he's got many hundreds of hours of, of experience doing this and of perfecting the, his delivery. And I, I think he's as good as anybody you'll see on cable or, you know, there was a one point when John Stewart was making like $50 million a year to host the daily show. I don't know how much Cody takes in from some more news. Hopefully it's roughly that amount of money. Um, more or less yeah but uh no i he's i think if you guys don't know what i'm talking about it's some more news is the name of the show on youtube and it's a youtube institution and everybody loves it but i i think he's legitimately a good host of a of a show regardless it's not not for youtube i mean just period especially a political show the the frustration that people feel i think is uh that's something he's very good at representing yeah it reminds me of did you ever read the comics? Um, what are they called? Get your war on. There was the the guy who it was a it was a comic series where it was clip art, and my God, I forget the guy the guy's name, and I apologize. But it was during the war in Iraq, and it was just this utter frustration with what was happening and like disbelief and like the just the language was there. They were just so mad in a very funny way, and it always reminds me of Cody a little bit too. All right. Well, should we uh, thank some more producers then? All right. Uh, I am looking at the wrong document. Here we go. Big old thank you to Mike the Lurker. Thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you to Mongolian Throat Skanking. Thank you. Thank you to Mr. Tell Your Wife how many Patreon subscriptions you have before you agree to buy a house. Thank you. Thank you to Musical Guests, the Ludacrismas Children's Choir. Thank you. Thank you to No One Can Hear You Scream in Space McNulty. Thank you so much. Thank you to Norm from Cheers. Thank you. Thank you to Pete for Pagel. Thank you. Thank you to Numenol Ultra Microscopic Silicon Volcano Coniosis Anti Disestablishment Terrianism Jones. Thank you. Thank you to Rev MD. Thank you so much. Thank you to Ricky Cilantro. Thank you. Thank you to Rosemary's Baby from Eraser. Thank you so much. Thank you to Screaming Horse Pyramid. Thank you. Okay, let me jump in here. Thank you to Sorry Cop, World's Most Laughable Centrist. Thank you. Thank you to Steven. Thank, Thank you to the conveniently you. placed self-destruct button on the top of every baby's head. Thank, Thank you. Thank you to the midnight patron. What patrons at midnight? Thank, Thank you. Thank you to the oatmeal savage. Thank, Thank you. you to the two B terror bunny says the strikes may be over, but egg David Zaslav for fun and profit. Thank, Thank you. Him directly. Thank you to these seven bees. 
Thanks. Make it a tiger drawers. Pratt Thompson. Raindrops keep falling on my head. Thank you. Make it a tip drizzle. Thank, Thank you. Make it a tux. Thanks. Make it a Vincent. Vincent. Thank you, why don't you take a flying fuck at the moon? Thank you. And thank you to your mom. Thank you. And that's a podcast. Dave, on the, on the subject of mothers and fathers and children, do you perhaps have a oh. child that is a child of the union of you searching for movies that deserve more hype? This is my <laughs> weird way of asking you. <laughs> I, do you have a movie that deserves more hype? I feel like you started that with no idea how you're going to finish it. I sure didn't, Dave. I jumped right in. (laughs) I do, Tom. I do. Uh, Big old shout out to Dr. Garby, who skeeted me this, skeeted me this trailer, skeeted it right at me. Yeah. This is called Stop Motion. Um, It's got a little bit of hype. It's it's a little more view counts than I... uh, prefer for these it has two hundred thousand views on youtube if anything it oh, has too much that's hype. way more now yeah. <laughs> okay. you've, you've showed us you've showed us trailers on here where we were the first people to watch it right <laughs> had been yeah that's see- more than i yeah it had been refreshed a few times by whoever uploaded the video as they tried to figure out why the quality wasn't at 1080p <laughs> and that was it and then everybody else who watched the trailer it was us on this podcast so for sure yeah. but no i had not heard of this film so i'm glad you're bringing it to my attention but still it's it appears like this could be an actual actual hit when it comes out <laughs> yeah this might blow up but still um, how dare you <laughs> this is uh this got a uh, jury award for best director at fantastic fest if that you guys care about that uh it is about a stop motion animator uh who uh is making this like creepy puppet movie and the puppets start invading her life and coming alive and are in fact it's all done as stop motion which is what makes this movie unique in my opinion it's very cool like these stop motion creatures are coming alive and haunting her um it's sort of it's apparently about like it, I mean, there's a little bit of grief in here, but it's also about like um, enveloping yourself in your work and what it means to be a creator, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it just looks also creepy. Like I, the reviews seem to say like, yeah, it's a sad movie about stuff, but it's also a really fun horror movie. Uh, and that's my jam. What'd you guys think of this? Yeah, no, it looks it looks interesting. Uh, from what the write-ups that you've included, it seems like it's, you know, it's a, it's a movie about a person losing their mind. Um, yeah, I'm into that. I'm into creepy little stop motion freaks coming out and and making your life difficult. No, it looks good. Um, it looks spooky. Uh, it looks it looks unique in that way. It, it's, it's yeah. I'm assuming it's the film good uses actual stop motion. If I find out that they used CGI to simulate the stop motion creatures, I'm going to be furious. <laughs> I agree. I'm as far as I can tell, it used actual stop motion. Stop motion uh, is a unique form. It, like it makes perfect for perfect horror stuff because the movement is just a little bit weird. It's, it's a little bit yeah. like yeah, janky and jerky, and it's it, you almost can't make a non creepy stop motion uh, yeah. animation thing with little with little puppets. So it is perfect. It's like what if your what if your little stop motion puppets came to life and came after you or whatever. I realize that there's probably <laughs> more going on in themes they explore but in terms of a trailer and a a hook that's pretty good it's uh it's it's creepy even before you get to the creepy stuff you know what's really funny you know who agrees with you 
the director of this movie. I just found an interview where he was like, I find stop motion to be extremely scary. Uh, and that's what I did this. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like it is, in fact, stop motion. And the director, yeah, was like, yeah, I find stop motion to be just inherently terrifying, even if it's trying to be cute. There's a clip that goes around on social media every once in a while where somebody took the Ed 209 scenes from Robocop, which, of course, were all done with stop motion. And they they use their computer and AI to, like, smooth it out so that it's at the same frame rate. So it's walking smoothly like an actual robot. It, not scary at all. It ruins it. Yeah, would you do it's, that? It, yeah. The, whole, the whole reason it was so alien and so weird and so terrifying is the way it jerks its way around the room. And it, it's it's because of the stop motion. It's a real puppet. They're moving one frame at a time. And it it looks wrong the way it moves. And, yeah, you smooth it out. It's just like a just a weird, just a kind of a robot walking around. It's not the right. same thing. It's Uncanny Valley otherwise. Yeah. It's like we improved it. We fixed it. All right. Which was what they were going to do with Jurassic Park. They had the go motion where it was like improved stop motion. If you ever watch the test for that, it is very impressive. It's uh, the same. Yeah. It's the same stuff they used in Dragonheart. Oh, okay. Really? Mm-hmm. Dragonheart CGI, I thought. No, not Dragonheart. Uh, Dragon Slayer, excuse me. Ah, Dragon Slayer. Okay, that makes more yeah, sense. That makes way more sense. Yeah. But yeah, everybody check out this. Yeah, I think stop. I think this movie is going to blow up. Uh, it's already in the process of it. But yeah, it, it reminds me of Alice, that stop motion Alice in Wonderland film. That's all that's super, super German um, and very, very creepy. Uh, yeah, I mean, this looks it looks fun. It, I should say that I don't think this is a critique, but she's making a stop motion like the stop motion she's making is creepy. Yeah. And so then the dolls come alive and it's like, yes, they are in fact also creepy because they were made to be creepy. So you could have made it like, you know, if they were like cheery, fun dolls or something. I don't, I don't know, because I guess we've, we've gotten every version of this, right? The ironic, creepy, the non-ironic. So, well, like Coraline, I don't know, still that looks was, good. oh yeah, you know, that, that was stop motion. And that's another case where it's like. Oh yeah, it was horrifying. It's like, well, no, no, no. She hasn't gone to the monster realm yet. It's like, no, no. It's already, <laughs> it's already scary. It's already creepy. It continues. Yeah. The, the weird Russian bodybuilder living in her attic. Wait till you see the oh, twisted yeah. version of him. I'm like, it's <laughs> <laughs> not that. It's not him. <laughs> Are we not uh, meeting him right now? That's like one of the I think the scariest moments in the Stephen King. The it tv movie adaptation is when he goes down the drain and he's clearly turns into a stop motion and again they don't mean it to be creepy because it's stop motion but it's terrifying because it's a stop motion clown <laughs> like if you uh, saw something moving like that in real life it would be the scariest thing you'd ever seen no yeah. matter no matter what it was they try to they they try to cheat it sometimes when they do that walking backwards thing like with the ring or like uh house on haunted hill yeah well, they'll film somebody moving backwards and then just play it in reverse. So you kind of get like a similar, like that maladroit kind of weird otherworldly thing. And it, yeah, it always looks fucking creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very creepy. It's a free pass. It's like stop motion in that. It's like just a, a free, free pass to creep me out for sure. Uh, so yeah, everybody check this out. Probably pretty good. Yeah. Looks good. I want to see it. Cool. Well, the end. Yeah, <laughs> we've come to the end of things. <laughs> uh, that is a sewed. Oh gosh, we done it. We've done it, guys. We did it. We did it. Yeah. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for being on. Yes, thank you. 
Yeah, again, the book uh, that's up for pre-order is called I'm Starting to Worry About This Black Box of Doom. You can pre-order it anywhere if you want to find me on where almost everyone finds me on TikTok, where I have about 400,000 followers now. <laughs> I, am Jason, yeah. I am Jason K. Pargin there. Oh, yeah, good old TikTok. Um, cool. Yeah, uh, I, I'll plug our Patreon, patreon.com slash Gamefully Unemployed, G-A-M-E-F-U-L-O-Y, Unemployed. We have exclusive podcasts on there like Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Star Trek The Next Futurama, Spielboys. We watch movies every Friday night with our patrons as well. Lots of fun. We love it. Come join us. Yeah. We also have a store. Head over to GamefullyUnemployed.com where you can find a link to our Teespring store. We have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs you can get on t-shirts, mugs, stickers, posters, all sorts of things. So slap your stop motion peepers onto that. And, yes. And uh, leave us a review wherever you happen to be listening to this. Yeah, do it. Leave us a good review. Preferably. Preferably, but whatever's in your heart. <laughs> Honestly, good. any reviews help. Just any kind of interaction. Yes. Yeah, just let us know that there are people out there, you know, that we're not alone. <laughs> Listen, we're not shouting into the abyss. Like, I'll, I'll accept just, I am here. You know, that's it. Perfect Three review. Three words, yeah. I, am, I here. am here. Yeah. I am here, yeah. dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> now. Like if I was looking up a podcast on Apple Podcasts or something, and I saw one that had like three positive reviews, I'd be like, eh, okay, it's their, it's their friends who left review. If I found a podcast that had 2,000 one-star reviews, I'd be like, I've got to check this out. <laughs> it's true. I, I've got to listen to all of these. There is what could possibly be going on. It's Yeah. Oh, man. To be clear, please don't leave us a bunch of one-star reviews as a bit. <laughs> no, 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 Only if that's what you really feel. <laughs> no, the, the platforms, the algorithms do not know how to detect your ironic bad reviews. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Our music is produced by Chris Corlew. You can follow him on Twitter at at the Corlew, C-O-R-L-E-W, and find more music at shipwreckedsailor.bandcamp.com. Our channel artwork is produced by Michael Vincent Bramley. You can find more of his artwork at instagram.com slash mvbramleyart. Our episode artwork is produced by Justin Brown. You can follow him on Twitter at at Justin T. Brown, and find more of his artwork at artnessbyjustinbrown.com and justinbrown.info.